and our opening hymn is Sing Praise to God Who Reigns Above. truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia.
Carlos, you're muted. I will begin again. Thank you. Psalm 99, Dominus Regnavit. The Lord is king. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all peoples. Let them confess his name, which is great and awesome. He is the Holy One. Almighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Proclaim the greatness of the Lord our God and fall down before his footstool. He is the Holy One. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among those who call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them out of the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the decree that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them indeed. You were a God who forgave them, yet punished them for their evil deeds. Proclaim the greatness of the Lord, our God, and worship him upon his holy hill. For the Lord, our God, is the Holy One. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way, we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for, if, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of the Lord. Paul, Savannah, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full convictions just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, 
not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered the emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The word of the Lord. Well, this seems like an appropriate Sunday to be hearing a gospel reading about taxes, politics, Caesar, division, and entrapment. Here we are, the voting has begun in Washington state. And although we on the west side of the Cascades may not be quite as polarized as other places in the country, we are all feeling the stress of the great divides. We hear about them daily, read about them, ingest them, try to digest them, and are left feeling unsatisfied. Geez, what a season has become a catchphrase as has we cannot wait to say goodbye to 2020 and November 4th can't come soon enough. And of course the caveat follows, not that we'll know anything for sure by November 4th. Okay, what a season. I can't wait to say goodbye to 2020 and November 4th can't come soon enough. I know there are and have been tremendous blessings in this season, opportunities to grow in grace and faith, 
but that's definitely a season, a sermon for another day. For today, I'm going to sit down in the center of what has been a tumultuous, chaotic, and violent at times season of unrest, division, rancor, anger, and fear. Right there in the midst of that field, I'm going to sit down. I have to admit, I've jokingly said to friends that I think I need to self-isolate until November 5th, or I will have no friends or family left. I personally have found this year so difficult, not just politically, but working in the hospital, seeing people die of COVID, of the coronavirus, hearing the pain of family members, the stress of staff, my daily work life is impacted by politics. Of course, that's true for all of us in some form. So here I am. I'm going to sit down in the middle of the field surrounded by COVID-19, catastrophic weather events, smashed store windows, trash piled, homeless encampments. Here I am sitting. Here with angry students chanting names of fallen, murdered black persons, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and here with heartbroken family members of fallen, murdered, good police officers, saying goodbye to 2020 will be a welcome celebration. One might wonder why on earth I would be bringing all this up on a Sunday morning when we all sign into Zoom with the hope of encouragement, the hope of assurance. Honestly, here's the deal. If the gospel has meaning, it has to make sense and bring its own hope and encouragement here, right here in the middle of this. I've heard it said that priests should not talk about politics. There's probably an equal prohibition about priests talking about sex as well, but today I'll stick to politics. Just to be clear here about the scene set in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is right in the center of the political scene. He is political. He's challenging the temple structure that's all about tax and class and political power. He's making a lot of people nervous. Initially, I thought an apt analogy might be Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell making a deal and then approaching Mother Teresa with a tax question. But Mother Teresa, I think, was too apolitical. I think it would be more like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell approaching Martin Luther King Jr. with a tax question. Jesus is not docile. He's not timid. He's not removed from the public debate, nor is he frightened, cowed, or silenced by the political powers. He will not be questioned, but instead asks the questions. Is it lawful to pay tax to Caesar? These men don't want an answer. They want a victory. They don't want Jesus to reason. They want Jesus to fail. I can't imagine what the disciples must have been thinking at this point. Were they holding their breaths, hoping that Jesus would just not push it any further? Were they wondering at this point where this would lead? Were they frightened? Typically in my own life, when I feel overwhelmed with data input stressors, I find it calming to walk head on into it, to let all the worry, fret, chaos play itself out in front of me. And then with a big exhale, invite God to provide a word. But in this time, I am finding that difficult. I feel maybe more like what the disciples would have felt, upset, disquieted. 
honestly, as of Wednesday last week, I thought that that was the end of my sermon. I could only offer what I myself was bringing to our Lord, internal chaos. But then, as fate or the Spirit would have it, God reached in. As many of you know, and as I mentioned earlier, I am a chaplain at Overlake Hospital. Wednesday, I received a phone call from a son of not one, but two patients in our care, both his mom and dad in their late 80s, non-English speaking, not Christian, not religious. He asked if I would come to his father's room to offer some kind of ritual or prayer. He explained that his father had suffered a stroke several months ago, but had come into the hospital through the ER the previous evening because of ongoing confusion. What was discovered in the evaluation process was that he had acute leukemia that at this point was not really treatable. In meeting the son later at his dad's bedside, I heard more about this family and their life. He was the younger of two brothers. His older brother was in the hospital, but down a floor with their mom. The brothers were in their mid forties. The younger brother lives in Canada but had been able to get across the border to be with his parents. The elder brother lives here in Bellevue. He's married and has two teenage sons. The brothers were born and raised in mainland China. They immigrated to the US and Canada in their twenties. They brought their parents over 10 years ago. Although neither of their parents speak English, both of the sons do. After giving this general sketch about his dad's situation, the son went on to say they had never done this before. They didn't know what rituals were needed to be done, but they wanted to do whatever was right. They wanted a prayer. Probing again about religious experience, preference, upbringing, the son explained that their father had spent much of his life in mainland China under communist rule where there was suppression of all religious belief. But he then went on to say, this is, this is as much for my mom as for my dad. We were hoping that if she hears the prayers, she will just naturally understand how sick our father is. And there is some unfinished business that we hope this will take care of. The son explained that his mom would be brought up in a wheelchair to be with us in the room to be part of the prayer. Feeling still confused about how to best hear and stand with and minister to them, I said I thought it would be a good thing for me to meet their mom first. The elder son had joined us at some point in the conversation and accompanied me to his mom's room. Their mom was petite, sitting in an oversized recliner in the pale green hospital room in her 80s. Upon seeing her son speaking in Mandarin, she told him that she really needed to use the restroom immediately. We called for the nurse, but she let her son know that this was urgent. Facing her legs squared, he said, okay, we can do this. And without another hesitation, he reached down, scooped her up in sitting position and carried her to the bathroom. Forgetting liability and worry about tripping, his attentiveness to her need in the moment was simply beautiful. Later, when she was wrapped in a white cotton hospital blanket and ready to make the trek up a floor to be with her husband, I asked again about upbringing, about experience of the divine or life philosophy. At that point, she broke down. Speaking in Mandarin, we had an interpreter 
she spoke of the things in her heart. Her son would interject biographical information to flush out the story of his parents' lives. She began by first saying that in her culture, there is a belief that the good you do in your lifetime is carried on by those who are the recipients of that good, like your children. She said she hoped that they had been good enough and that their children would be the bearers of that good into the future. I assured her that I could see in their son's interactions with their parents that goodness. She then went on to say that although she grew up without religious teaching, she knew that there was something good, a God or gods, because there have been so many things that keep happening that show her that she's being looked after, coincidences, like the interpreter who was with me sent randomly, but having been raised in the same village this woman was born in, and with the same last name as her nanny there, all of this said through tears. The son filled in historical details. Although his parents did not meet until they were in their 20s, both of his parents' families, grandparents on both sides, had fled China during the civil unrest in the 30s. Both had gone first to India and then to Indochina. His father, feeling a kinship to India, had returned there as a teen to work in a program near the China border. In a skirmish between the two countries, he was captured, taken prisoner, and spent several years in a concentration camp. Upon his release, he returned to mainland China. And it was there that he met his wife, married, and raised his children. The political strife and change this man had witnessed was remarkable. His children talked about the cultural revolution in China as simply a fact and only added as an addendum that their uncle, whom they did not know, died during it. He was a professor of Chinese literature. In explaining her husband's religious spiritual perspective, Kay Ping told me about the unfinished business she was worried about. She said that her husband recently told her that he remembers as a young boy in India, when his family was very poor, getting milk from a Christian church, that that had meant so much to him. He said it was something that he never forgot. Her wish was that he had had the chance to go back and find this church. That is why the sons hoped that prayer would bring peace. Having relayed this to us, Kei Ping looked at me and through the interpreter asked, what does the sky look like? The interpreter explained that the reference to, reference to the sky was a reference to heaven. What does heaven look like? What do Christians say about heaven? There is a reading in our scriptures, I said, our holy book, that talks about heaven as a banquet, a gathering of all peoples, all the tribes, all the cultures, gathered at a table, sharing in a lavish feast, wine and fruit and music. She nodded. I understand, she said through the interpreter. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. What do we give to Caesar? Our work, our debate, our consent, our dissent. We are obliged to speak our truth, to act in ways that reflect our convictions. 
Our faith does not allow us the luxury of sitting on the sidelines. The incarnation does not allow us the luxury of sitting on the sidelines. This is where Jesus is, right in the middle of the field with us, right in the midst of the turmoil. Whether we consider ourselves liberal or conservative, Republican, Democrat, or libertarian, as people of faith, we have to be part of the dialogue. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. In right one of our Eucharistic prayer, we say, and here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies to be a reasonable, holy and living sacrifice unto thee. Our work, our dialogue, our commitment to the greater good may be Caesar's, but ourselves, we are God's own. We continue on page eight with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before we listen to our operatory music, I would like to invite uh, Janet Bell to give us a testimony. Good morning. Nan, first of all, thank you very much for that powerful sermon. Um, it certainly gave us a lot to think about and um, your conclusion was very moving. So thank you. And um, I am, Janet, and I've been a longtime Emmanuelite. I started in choir at age five, and here I am a number of years later. Uh, and I wanted just to share a few things about my journey. I was active at Emmanuel and Mercer Island High School at, um, of course, the Emmys Dances and a Young Life. Graduated from UW and then entered the fashion world at Frederick and Nelson. I was married. I have two beautiful children and a new baby granddaughter. Um, I was divorced. I changed jobs. I moved to new cities, but I kept returning to Emmanuel. 
The why isn't hard. I found grace, I found gratitude, prayer, light, and love. And somehow, about three years ago, landed on a vestry. So today we talk about stewardship. It is a conversation, a commitment, and an obligation. The Bible teaches us that a steward must be trusted to care for things important to God. We all are important to God and your pledge is your intention. We do have much to be grateful for. We could talk about the programs, the worship, communion, our rector, our outreach, sacred ground, music, Bible studies, community service, and even fall cleanup. These are all critical for our growth and for our development. After living in Chicago for about eight years, I came back to Emmanuel and it was a wonderful experience. I was greeted back with friendship, support, connection, and opportunities for service. I give because it's worth it. It's worth it to belong. It's worth it to contribute time and money and build relationship within our congregation and our community. Today, there are significant challenges to being together, but I believe we can solve these issues with patience and God's grace. Your pledge is your intention, and we are blessed with so much, and that comes with commitment and responsibility. Our pledge represents our opportunity to be part of Emmanuel's life and future. Please join me as we pledge to help our church and congregation. A pledge is not a secret nor a burden. Our pledge represents our beliefs and our goals and gifts for the future. We have a strong history and with God's grace, we have an exciting future. We do need everyone to help to get our goals um, and dreams achieved and in motion. And there are questions to be asked. How much is the right amount? How can I predict my future? This is an unpredictable world. What does my family think? And what are my options? So as you carefully and prayerfully determine what's right for you, we can work together to build our faith and our community in this beautiful place and in our hearts called Emmanuel. And with God's grace, we go, amen.
on page nine. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day, we bless you. We praise your name forever. Lord, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, Lord, is our hope and we shall never hope in vain. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. God of grace, you hear our prayer. guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of grace, you hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. God of grace, you hear our prayer. Loving God, hope of the poor and source of all health, look with compassion upon your creatures who suffer under the weight of this pandemic. Fill us with love towards our neighbor, deliver us from partisan motives as we strive for the common good and strengthen those who labor for our health. 
We ask this through the healer of your creation, Jesus Christ, our health and our salvation. God of grace, you hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. God of grace, you hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of grace, you hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died that your will for them may be fulfilled. And we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. God of grace, you hear our prayer. At this time, I welcome you to add any prayers that you want read out loud to include in the chat. Um, God, we also especially thank you for those who are celebrating birthdays this week for Linda Mullen, Rosalind Rhodes, Bob Baxter, Fiona Crumrine, and Kayla Laughlin. God of grace, you hear our prayer. God, we ask for your healing spirit to be on those who are suffering in body, mind, or spirit, especially for Karen Blankenship, Niall Clark, Glenn Crosby, Glorian Crosby, Deanna Glenn, Deanne Goodman, Lorna Hamill, Bob Hayward, Hannah Hooper, Rosemary Howell, Peter Mackenheimer, Michael Miller, Claire Parkinson, Pam Rhodes, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lily Ann Snow, William Victory, Julie Wigand, and Peter Wiley. God, in your grace, you hear our prayer. God, we ask for your comfort for the families of those who have died, and we ask for you to receive the spirits of Ruth Engel, John M. Peterson, Michael Wendell, and those who mourn. God, in your grace, you hear our prayer and special prayers for Andy Lewis and her family who love her so much. God, in your grace, you hear our prayer. And for all the other prayers that we keep in our hearts and we have said out loud, God, in your grace, you hear our prayer. We continue on page 11. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy that your church throughout the world may preserve with steadfast faith in your confession of, the, of your name 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.